IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. So glad that you're with us today for another interview with an up-and-coming leader who's guiding and leading teams in a, with a higher vision and a higher purpose. Kirsten, uh, this is what it's all about, isn't it? It absolutely is, Mark. And as I shared with you before the show, this particular person is near and dear to my heart beyond just a client is really, truly, I'm going to cry. It's really, truly like a family member to me. He even calls me mama bear because we've been together for so long. And this is what it's all about, seeing people thrive and having authentic voices and why I left the work I did to do the work I do. So I'm super excited today. Well, our guest is Greg Yan. Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, Greg certainly embodies this idea of an IntelliKey leader being of service to others, you know, integrity being a core value and focus. By profession and vocation, Greg is a superstar salesperson in the areas of uh, IT and communication and other technologies. Uh, but as an individual, he's also passionate about pursuing the initiatives that are important to Greg. And we're going to explore all that as we go. Greg, we just can't thank you enough for being a part of our show. Well, it's, it's my pleasure and my honor. I guess to kick things off, Greg, to be truly present to what's going on right now, I just it didn't feel like we could start any conversation without asking you your feelings and perspectives and express our deep concern about the treatment of Asian Americans in our country right now. And it's certainly come to light with recent events, but I think it has it been simmering throughout this uh, pandemic, especially. But I, I wanted to ask for your personal insights and, of course, just check in to see how you're doing. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's so, it's so interesting because this is something I think about a lot and especially this past year and even before that you know we see it and it's something that maybe somewhere and unconsciously i learned to accept it just being the way it is and what i've always done is kind of keep to myself and of course i can say something i will but i don't really get a chance to say it so i actually don't really talk about this topic too much but yesterday it's the first time i really like i just could not hold it anymore and finally i became present to you know what what has happened on tuesday and and it's you know the other question i asked myself why does it take a shooting for me to really get present to it the one silver lining i, I would say coming from this i do feel that the asian community is really trying to unite in new ways that we haven't done before. And I'm seeing this with my friends, just my friends checking in. Hey, just want to send you some love and light. How are you doing? And I also am doing the same thing, just being inspired by that. And the, the truth is that we just need each other so much right now. And um, yeah, so, but it's, it's definitely really tough. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, we've often asked in, in terms of call it race relations or Black Lives Matter, you know, I guess we've asked from our personal perspective, if we were having a lunch or a coffee right now and we said, Greg, what is it that we need to understand? You know, what are we not getting? You know, or what are we not sensing? Help, help us understand it from your point of view. Gosh, it's, it's, it's such a complex Mm -hmm. I probably have a very complex answer for that because it's a lot of different things. But if I were to pick the underlying thing, it's that willingness to understand each other um, because everybody has their narratives and their experiences, even their prejudices. Um, and how do we make that fit with one another? Because we're 
trying to communicate our intentions and also prove that maybe we're not racist, we're not prejudiced. And in that process, we're, we're not listening uh, to each other. And I'm guilty of that as well, too. Um, and even just within my own, uh, my own household, with me and my partner, Nick, we're on the same team. We have the same beliefs. But the way that we even communicate this, these tiny little differences, um, we, we sometimes get so fixated on, these, on the tiny differences. And that really then spirals kind of into deeper things. And, and, but then we have to remind ourselves that we're on the same same team at the end. And that's also a process. We're learning how to do that. Um, and I think, I think if, that's, if, there's, if there's one thing that everybody needs is that maybe that willingness. Mm-hmm. Greg, you know, I've had the honor of being with you for an incredibly long time and experiencing your journey with you. And you are a professional in a very white dominated industry right? In, in the, I would say the management sector that you have to, even though technology is, does have a lot of diversity, but the management structure does not, right? And you're not just Asian, you are a gay male, right? And I don't mean to put identities out there or put you into a box, but I know that you're an advocate for really elevating this conversation. Do you want to weave that in a little bit in your experience in how you've been doing that and still achieving President's Club? Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, it is very much interwoven together. Um, and I don't mind, you know, talking about the identity. That's a big part of what I talk about these days. Um, and just my experience, you're right. It, it, I always felt like I was on the outside of the box trying to fit in. Um, and I had this huge need of being, you know, understood and to maybe just to fit in so that way I blend. Um, and it's taken me a really long time to find my own identity and really, really make the space for myself. And that's one of the definitions of integrity for me. Um, it's just to be my true self. Um, and so that's been my journey on just kind of untangling these, these behaviors of, you know, trying to be more than I am uh, or less, you know, extra for lack of a better word right now um but just but just to be is really what i want to be and i think you know that's part of you know my um intentions is just to like kind of prove myself maybe and prove to myself i could do it to make space for myself um and so even just looking back um i didn't really have like a role model that looked like me it was always kind of the default. And so a lot of what I want to be today is that role model for myself, or the younger versions for myself. So that way I could pave the way for other people. Yeah. And I was thinking too, knowing a little bit of your story, if you don't mind, if I dig a little deeper, you know, your parents immigrated here, you were young and you came over with your grandmother. So you even had, there was, you had to experience that assimilation. We've had many discussions about your childhood and what that looked like in school. And even how that shaped you growing up in the experience. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, actually, I actually had to leave my my grandmother. She raised me in China until I was two. My parents had already gone to the U.S. for the American dream. My dad got a full ride scholarship to Caltech. Um, my mom followed the year after, and I came right after that too. So I started my you know my life with my mom. My dad was already in the states, and then my mom left. I was just with my grandma, and that was like a I don't remember it, but I know that coming to the United States, it, I was I didn't feel like I belonged there in the sense that it was just so foreign to me, and I also didn't know my dad. And I think you know it was it was definitely a process. I mean, even now, like we, don't, me and my dad, don't necessarily have the best relationship. And you know, starting from when I when I first came to the states, 
I mean, I could go deeper into. I, I maybe you could help me with focusing on a particular area. Hmm. Yeah, and I just I'm going to kind of weave the story, and I do have the benefit of knowing, right? But part of your story is inside of all of that. You also have been diagnosed with ADHD. And that has also been part of your story is how do you navigate that? And so you have all of these particular challenges and obstacles, and yet you have moved into what I consider to be a brilliant young man who is flourishing. So talk to your story, like how did you weave and what are you doing now? Because I know the conversation's not over. It's still in flux. Yeah, how do I begin to tell my story, right? Because maybe I'll, I'll, I'll say this to kind of give a little context. So, you know, I'm a you know, Chinese American with Chinese parents, tiger parents, the way that they grew up, they didn't necessarily have access to education and to, and to a lot of the resources that I may have. And when they came here and, you know, they wanted to give me everything that they didn't have. So I also had a lot of expectations I needed to meet. Like I, I learned piano, I learned uh, you know, trumpet, trombone, guitar, art lessons, you know, they had, had me sign for sports. So I was doing all these different things uh, as a kid, which, you know, it's, it's their love language. They wanted to give me the opportunity. Um, but I think, you know, the one thing looking back at my childhood, I never felt like I was good enough. Um, I don't think my parents have ever told me that they were proud of me. Um, and maybe the first time they actually did was just a few months ago. So even without what I would do well, they would be like, oh, well, you could do more. What else can you learn? And it's interesting as I'm saying this, because I realized that I'm also the same way too. I picked up that trait in some ways. So I also have that high expectation for myself. And so I push myself because there's also that need of being enough that really drives me. And also feeling like the underdog. Um, like I grew up without really any friends until like the sixth grade. And, you know, I just didn't really feel like I belonged. So I had this need of always trying to be you know, to fit in, um, which kind of drives me today still. But I've also really learned, you know, as I'm in, in IT sales, right? And because the best salespeople are just themselves and they really are just giving their best. That's really now my strong suit is what I bring into my business. Sorry, it's a little bit, <laughs> I kind of jumped around a little bit, but. Uh... <laughs> uh, it's, such a, it's such a powerful insight though, isn't it? That you had the parents who wanted to support your creative expression. You know, you could say it in one way. I mean, because there would be kids who said, I never got to play piano lessons or I never got to do art lessons or whatever. And yet you're right. The other side is we parents sometimes say, oh, you're just so full of potential and you're so full of life. I want you to be able to experience everything. And yet does that put too much pressure it's a tough balance. I hear what you're saying about, you know, just trying to make your parents proud. I mean, yeah. look, I, yeah. I have I have at least two decades on you, three decades probably <laughs> of trying to please my parents. <laughs> so, you know, if I could give yeah. you a vision, it may it may uh, recede and it may not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that, so that's, that's you know, help, helpful for me to kind of look at it again too. Yes, you're right. I, I you know, had all this opportunity to do these things. I think the one thing that was missing for me was the choice. You know, I, you know, it was interesting because I remember just as a kid, I wanted to be a geologist. I, I went on this uh, field trip to Harupa and they had these fossils, these stones, and I was just so interested. Um, and 
actually my dad says his one regret is that he promised me to take me, but he's actually never taken me to go there. And it's because that he had his own agenda for me. Like he wanted me to do these things. He wanted me to be the engineer. He like, cause my, so let me give you a little bit of context about my dad, because my dad is brilliant. Like he's so smart and he has a, this, uh, this calling to, to really help others too. And maybe that's where I get it from. And, you know, in China, matter of fact, he, he works with um, his town in Hengyang, uh there and, you know, works with, students looking to to come to the United States and coaching them on um, just kind of their careers and developing them and people actually you know reach out to him for his help of course with you know with me and my brothers like we don't want to hear anything that he's you know trying to share with us because we never asked and I think that's one of the maybe one of his um, I never asked him about this but I feel like that's one of his uh, failures that he feels for himself is that he hasn't been able to make that bridge with us and it's because we never really had a choice it was always his agenda and maybe he was trying to like it like i said he was trying to give us everything that he didn't have so it was maybe more internal for him more personal for him to do that versus you know looking at us as who we actually are yeah that was a lot things can be <laughs> unfolding absolutely so president's club was one of the uh one of my big goals i that I've had since my career in IT sales. So I've been in IT sales for six years now. I was so close a couple jobs ago, but I ended up leaving the company uh, before I could win it. The job following that didn't have a president's club and that was Huawei. And now, you know, that was my commitment. Like I, li I literally back in January told my manager when it was announced that president's, president's uh, club was going to be in, in Barcelona, I told her, I'm going to get this. This is, I've always wanted to do this. And I promise you, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work my butt off to get that. I did. And the reason why was because for the first time in my career, I committed to being of service to other people. I'm also committed to my integrity to show up as myself and remind myself that I don't need to be anything more or less than who I actually am. And what really, I think the key is the being of service part for me, uh, because I've always got burnt out from my work because it's, you know, I work very hard and I work, 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 work. And I'm 11.30 and I am still kind of wrapping up my day and I just don't have the energy, but I also didn't realize what my purpose was in, 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 in what I was doing. So the being of service part for the first time, I, I was able to be energized from that because then I felt like I was actually making an impact in the, in the, in the people I was working with. So people being my customers, uh, my, my vendor partners, also my internal team. Um, and that was the key. That was, that's what made it, um, not, I wouldn't say easy because it wasn't easy, but it became possible in the way that I just kept on building and building on top of it. And, and it, no, I also have gained so much more confidence in myself just by doing, because, you know, I also was a struggle with imposter syndrome my whole life. I've never felt like I was good enough. So I, you know, I, I'm afraid of not, you know, of looking stupid and being exposed, um, not being technical enough, not being uh, articulate, a lot of different things, um, but I, I'm, I can just be who I am and that's enough. And I think I see that because even the times that I also, I also have had a lot of snags with like, you know, with customers where things not going right, like, <laughs> uh, you know, losing service, you know, due to stupid mistakes. But one of my biggest wins, I think, um, is that despite that is happening, my customers still know what my intentions are. That's never a question anymore. And that allows me to continue to, uh, to be of service and, and, and basically remedy it for them. So powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and as you mentioned, 
you know, sort of being yourself and authentic. Kirsten, I think about our word entelechy and one of the metaphors being this tulip, you know, knowing what it is when it's growing out of the bulb. The tulip doesn't think, am I going to be beautiful enough? The tulip doesn't think, what if I should be red instead of yellow? You know, all the things you're speaking to, Greg, it's like uh, nature isn't worried about how it comes across. Uh, and if we could learn more from that. That yeah, would be let me, so let, good. Me, let me jump on, on, on that topic. So I actually have a tattoo of, of a moth on my arm. And you know, I, I don't think I'm going to take my jacket off right now. It's too <laughs> funky. But um, essentially, I, I, you know, I thought about the moth as, as you know, starting out as a caterpillar. And this, maybe this caterpillar was eating all these leaves and you know, growing really big and had these big dreams of being this beautiful butterfly. And, and maybe everybody else thought this, this caterpillar was going to become a butterfly as well, too. And so finally... The caterpillar builds this cocoon, getting ready for the transformation, and emerges out as this moth. And and he's like, this is not who I wanted to be, and this is not who I thought I was. Um, and so of course he's sad, and you know sits around and just feels sorry for himself until one day the, the moth flies up to the light, and that's when he can see his own wings. And moths also can fly just like butterflies. And realizes that he has everything he needs. So I got this tattoo back in 2017 and, and when I went to uh, on my Euro trip to Berlin. And that's something that's kind of been my story that's been unfolding still to this day. So good. And in honor of flying to the light, it's not, I, I don't want it to be lost on the audience, the commitment you have to self. You do an incredible, you, an incredible amount of work on working within yourself. When there's an obstacle, what's your part in it? How do you need to grow? What do you need to learn from this situation? It's not just all peaches and cream, you know, walking to the top. You've had an enormous amount of obstacles present themselves both internally and externally. So do you want to speak to your commitment to the self? Like, I, I mean, you really have a high one. Yeah, and this is something that I've been working on a lot um, just this past couple of months. There's this idea that flow is that everything's hunky-dory and that you're just moving smoothly. Everything, you know, it's your happy-go-lucky. And maybe sometimes flow does feel like that. And certainly I had a lot of that last year because it was the first time I really embraced that, you know, being a service, the integrity. And I was, you know, I opportunity was coming to me like left, right, and center. And of course... January hits and just there's been a lot of different changes happening everywhere, a lot of transitions internally at my company, obstacles showing up. And and there's just, you know, maybe this tendency for me to feel like, you know, I'm losing my flow. Maybe I'm losing everything I work hard for. But what I'm learning right now is that flow doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that things are gonna work out. That's the outcome of the situation. It's really who you show up as with these obstacles and I'm you know <laughs> I learned a hard way a lot because I it's not, it doesn't come easy to me because I could get overwhelmed and I could get you know just very like tangled in my thoughts I mean my, that's when my ADHD excuse me uh, ADHD really comes in and uh and <laughs> really kicks my butt um but you know going back into you know, find finding ways to return back to myself and that's a big concept I like to think about too like I think people do that on a daily basis I, I certainly do you know I could have a stressful day um and but how do I return back to myself what are the tools I have and I have various different things I have my pots in I mean AD, ADHD is a gift uh what can I say um that helped me bring back bring me back to myself and that includes 
you know, talking to people I love, um, working with Kirsten, my coach, um, helping other people as well. So it was a great way I reconnected myself because that lines me back up to my purpose. And that's, it's bigger than myself. And I can feel the the gravity of that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things I can do. And it's really just making that choice to do it, even if you don't feel it. And that's the hard part for me. I'm used to, I like it when things are coming easy, but I think that's what top performance is, is that you're still doing the right things and doing, you know, and still growing yourself when things are not easy. And maybe when you, we don't feel like you're actually growing. There was a lot there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I go on these little tangents. So. <laughs> no, they're not tangents. Yeah. I know you and I have a conversation about flow all the time. It, that is a hard one. And I was in Clubhouse yesterday and we were speaking to that very thing. You know, everybody's like, when I'm in flow, it's good, right? Sure. And that's not, you're right. That's not what flow is. Flow is embracing the moment in its absolute perfection, right? And, and figuring out how to navigate that in integrity, like you said. Yeah. So on, on that topic, you know, maybe we'll talk about before I, I started working at Soft Choice, where I work right now. So I used to work at Huawei. Huawei is a Chinese tech company. They ultimately got blacklisted by the government and they had to shut down operations in the States. Following that, I was fun employed. I mean, I, right away, I went to Coachella because, of course, what, what else would you do? <laughs> went to Coachella, went back. I was still fun employed for four months. Yeah, and fun it employed. Gets... Wait, I need to stop on that. Have you heard the term fun employed, Mark? Because I have not. I, I'm, I'm sorry I missed that part because I was so focused on Coachella. Yeah, well, it, it was fun at Rem first. Remember but, yeah. there were live concerts that we used to go to? Oh, what, what a great memory. Well, yeah, I, I, love, I love my festivals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, fun employed is only fun for, you know, maybe in the beginning, if even for some people. I mean, I got laid off um, because they shut down. Um, it took me a very long time to to get to soft choice. And, you know, of course, what we do for work is a big part of our identity sometimes because it's, you know, how we bring, you know, money in, and and um, and how also how other people see us. I mean, first thing that people sometimes ask, like, oh, what, what do you do for a living? I was unemployed. I also didn't feel desirable. I mean, working at a Chinese company, this is all on the subject of Asian, you know, um, prejudices and whatnot. I mean, even just when I was there, I always felt like people were willing to take my deals, but no one even, you know, gave me the time of day to meet with me to find out what they could do for me. But more than willing, oh, if you have, oh, I love China, Greg. Oh, you know, ni hao ma. Oh, uh, it definitely, I can help you bring these deals in to these companies, no problem. But when I asked them to actually meet with me to look at their accounts, no, actually, I'm kind of busy. Why don't you follow up with me in a couple of months and we'll see. But so that was kind of like, you know, how I felt already before leaving Huawei. And after I left, like just interviews, I felt like I was constantly explaining myself to people. Um, there's a couple of times actually I thought I was going to land, you know, a few jobs and I was so confident. Um, and, um, of course, you know, I, at the end of the day, I didn't get those jobs and it was so hard to feel like I have to start all over again to, to find jobs. And, you know, there was a saying that I still say all the time is that God's rejection is God's protection. Kirsten shared that with me, matter of fact, and also, you know, to trust that, you know, God, the universe, you know, the higher power is, has our best interest in mind and that we're still, we're also creating together whatever that is that's that's meant to be more brilliant than what we can even imagine and you know it took me about four months to 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 land my next job my current job 
and you know, I, I could say in hindsight, it all makes sense. But during that time, it was very painful. Like I felt so depressed and all the different parties I was going to, it was the summertime and I just did not even want to go. I would leave early because I just did not feel like myself. And, but you know, on top of that, I had to go apply for jobs again um, and go through the whole process just to be told no. But at the end of the day, you know, I still, you know, Kirsten and I worked on so much together was still, all right, so how are you going to show up? Who are you going to be right now? And ultimately, like everything was in its right place and I landed where I need to be. And yeah, it's been a great presence club. Yeah. I can say I, I did that. Yeah, I believe you deepened your of service during that period. Sure. And that was, that was, a, no, that was actually when I was at Huawei and, you know, that was, I, I was still learning how to tap into it because I felt like it did come at a cost of me because I had my work I needed to do. I was stressed out. It was, I, I needed to learn how to put that aside. And, you know, for that, for that student, you know, he never asked for the mentoring. His mom signed him up for it. So that was also another equation because he never wanted to be there. He wouldn't bring in his homework or a computer. Ultimately, I decided to step back because I didn't feel like I could help him. You know, the service thing, I... I really stepped into it last year. And I think, you know, with COVID, for example, I, I just I just knew that because, you know, what, what happens, you know, in our industry is that when COVID hits, you know, then we want to respond to see what is it that our customers need and there's different things that we could sell and such. And, you know, and what was happening last year was that everybody was trying to reach out and, you know, a lot of people were being accused of being ambulance chasers, so to speak. And so I did not even do any of that stuff. So. It was as simple as just me checking, hey, just want to see how you're doing. Um, have you eaten today? Can I buy you some lunch? Simple things like that um, was very helpful in that time. You know, I, there wasn't a solution that they needed. Um, people, you know, did not want to be sold anything during that time. And I just, just wanted, I wanted to be present to where they were actually at. And all right, let's start from here. What is it that you need right now? Cool. No problem. Let me see how it could be of support to you. And that was, that became a part of my daily language. Just how can I support you? Um, how can I make you successful? Um, what are your goals you're trying to hit right now? How can I line you up for it? What are your metrics? Like things like that, I think really resonate because I wasn't, and also it made it easy for me not to focus on my own pocket because that was the way I used to, that's a mistake I used to make as a young salesperson. I was always concerned about my quota. I wanted to, you know, um, to make sure I can maximize my deals and that, you know, there's a whole energy associated with that, that takes away from, you know, the integrity that, which to me is a feeling of like, all right, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and doing the most I can. So really tapping into that, you know, it's, it's interesting because the minute I stopped not worrying about my own pocket and the outcome, I'm just worried about being service. I was getting deals left, right, and center. I got referred to, you know, my customers were referring me to other customers. You know, people were bringing me into deals. Um, and I was also growing within the accounts I had too. Uh, last year, I in, in my company, I found out uh, on, on, on my performance review, I have the highest number of net new logos in my company. I thought it was just my district, but... Um, um, so that's, you know, that's something I'm really proud of. And you know, it's all kind of secondary. I'm not really so focused on trying to get the logos. I'm just trying to do my part. And that's, you know, I talked about how being easier, it's more manageable that way, because I'm not so focused on something I may or may not have control over, which is the outcome. So good. You know, it's an interesting, almost counterintuitive point that when you didn't focus on the numbers, your numbers got better. You know, yeah. it's like if the purpose, yes, you had a goal. I want to make president's club, but I'm going to do it in such a way that focuses on serving, focuses on being a trusted advisor, not pushing, not seeing, you know, can I upsell or can I do these other things? Just so interesting. 
Yeah, my job has been more fun and fulfilling because of it. And uh, yeah, I actually used to question if I even like technology. The truth is, I've, I'm not tech savvy at all. <laughs> I mean, I struggle with just like simple things with like, like my phone sometimes. Um, but, you know, and I thought- It's again, so reassuring yeah. <laughs> that the guy in the tech company is also fumbling. But yeah. Greg, I'm curious, you've talked about not only parents, but also, you know, bosses, managers, and mentors of all kinds. How, how has coaching and mentoring, you know, with an outside consultant and advisor helped you give you a different point of view, give different context? What's been your experience? Oh, I was hoping you were going to ask me about Kirsten. <laughs> so, well, um, I didn't want to use her name. I just said coaching. Well, she, Kirsten yeah. is my coach. So please, credit is due. All credit is due. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, uh, so I, it's one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And when I met Kirsten, I mean, we could get into that another day, but um, it was kind of like, I feel like God's plan for us to meet, like, like planets aligned because series of different things happened that was that were so random that connected me to, to her but when i when she, she and i met i was you know working at this you know company that has gone through acquisition that's kind of falling apart you know this telecommunications company called cv on that don't that no longer exists um i was making like thirty-five thousand dollars a year like i was also a, a frivolous fabulous gay man uh you know partying all the time and I was in a lot of debt I mean when I met Kirsten like she came up to me and gave me her business card um and said that she wanted to meet with me and I saw it like oh life coach like I don't need a life coach I can't even afford one um no way I kind of discounted her but for one reason or another we did end up meeting and you know so Kirsten is an intuitive uh coach it was so interesting because when we sat down, like it was supposed to be for maybe at most an hour of a meeting, we were there for three hours. And it's because like, we just kept on talking about all these various different things and the language that, that Kirsten um, was using was the same language that like, my thoughts were in. Um, there's so many different things were lining up and for the first time I felt understood. Like I, I, I used to have so many friends and I still have a lot of friends, but I, felt so lonely and misunderstood and I you know I'm, I'm gonna cry too Kirsten <laughs> um but yeah I mean so it's it's been a journey for sure and I mean a lot of it was like I was so tangled in so many different things and at first and I you know when something would trigger me all the different things also come up so in the beginning was really working on how to you know clean up and you know simplify you know how my mind worked um and and the big focus of what we work on is the integrity piece. And I'm constantly finding new definitions of what integrity means. Um, of course, you know, on top of my head, it would be like honesty, right? I mean, that's what people associate integrity with. It's also about, you know, being who you really are. And what does that mean? I mean, as a gay man, that's been my, you know, like I alluded to it earlier, that's been my journey of really figuring out where I fit for that. And it's also about, you know, committing to something and doing it because that's what you had promised. And that's also our responsibilities and duties and the, um, you know, the respect that we're supposed to be giving to, um, to others when it's due. Um, that's all in the realm of integrity for me. So, I mean, a lot of things that we're working on there, um, including my, my relationships with my parents. Like, I mean, the, the relationship by, by no means is perfect, but it's come a long way still because of the work that Kirsten and I have done together. 
so along this journey, I've had a various different jobs as well too. I've been, you know, laid off. I've been fired before as well too. Um, you know, and um, and also I have, you know, found you know, great opportunities like the soft choice right now that I'm at and the work that we've done together here um, on the integrity piece. And it's interesting because now the numbers show up, the opportunities show up. Um, so I don't know if you want to ask me some uh, specific questions because I'm kind of <laughs> it's a whole lot that I'm kind of thinking will, about at the same time. I do it's want all to point to one thing too because we're talking a lot about performance, but when we think of the IntelliKey leader, it's about having a very well blended life where you're flourishing in all aspects, right? So you have since I've known you, you found a partner that you love, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a balanced life there. You have people in your life that you love dearly. You have great friends. You have fun. You are now, you know, reading tarot, even for some of your clients, right? Like your life is rich in all areas, not just I'm going to focus on success and that's where it's going to go. You've really created this beautiful blend and that's what it's all about, right? Success is not about the money. That's, a, that's an outcome of it, right? Right. So I just, I wanted to highlight that for our listeners, mainly because I have the pleasure of knowing who you are. And then one last piece I'm going to add, because I think this is important, is finding like-minded and like-souled people to interact with. And you've recently begun participating in the Young Professionals Master Soul Group, right? So high performers and those seeking higher consciousness have a conversation, have the capacity to speak on at both levels, right? Can you just share a moment and, you know, of what that experience is? Because communities, everything, our last guest we just spoke to talked about the importance of community. Right, yeah. Um, that's another thing I'm very proud of being able to, you know, co-create, you know, with, with the people um, that are meant to be in my life, right? So part of my success last year was, you know, being of service and that has allowed me to create some deep friendships with the people I'm working with. Um, matter of fact, I feel like a lot of people in that group are, you know, some of my customers. Um, one of my, you know, partners, Jazz. I think she's been on the, the podcast before. It's yeah, it's it's it's. I've I've all struggled finding my tribe, and maybe because I haven't really figured out my own identity, um, I'm trying to figure out how it fits. And you know, and, and especially if we're looking at the spiritual piece and you know, being successful in my career, those are two those are two different silos to me. Like I didn't know how to have both of those at the same time. I know I knew how to have it, have it one or the other. I mean, because when Kirsten and I met, I feel like I was like hearing you know hearing things and you know and getting like inspirations and wisdoms, but I, my life was a freaking mess <laughs> you know like i was falling apart in debt and just tangled but then i was and you know i was hearing from the angels um but so i was really i really resisted that so much um because i wanted to be successful i wanted to accomplish my goals that you know and also define what those goals are and figure out what's possible for myself um so i really kind of shut out the spiritual aspect of it until really like last year and it's really about because the possibility is that both of those things can coexist at the same time because they're really the same thing they're one and the same and i think you know just being able to practice that i've also been able to you know find the people that are also with that same intention and you know inviting them to to be a part of the conversation with me and creating that young professionals group that you do on, on every other tuesday and just having people that are like-minded it really does accelerate 
you know, your own, uh, your own growth and we grow together and it's, and it really multiplies um, because we're all on the same path. And I think, you know, there's something that you said to me early on was that the low, the road to the top is very lonely. And I, I maybe I'll ask you a question. It's like, do you feel that, I mean, although that is true, I feel like maybe that's the old paradigm of looking at that. Cause I feel everything that we've been working on right now is kind of is suggest that, you know, actually the road to the top doesn't have to be lonely. It could be actually full and, and plentiful of people that are just like you. I was going to say, I'm glad you asked that question because yes, my concept has changed, right? In the new paradigm that we're going into, we are not alone anymore, right? Because those that we've chosen to move into our company are co-collaborators, Mark being one of mine, right? So I'm not alone on my journey. So I do take that back. It doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's because we're always evolving, you know, and learning as we go. And um, that's also the possibility of just creating whatever that is together. And, and this is the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever the outcome is, is the outcome. And, and you know, that, I, you know, that what, what you just said right now, too, that we are all growing together. That is something I also want to work very hard for. You know, on the subject, what, what, what do you think we need right now um, in regards to all the violence, not just for Asian, you know, Asians or, you know, for black people, but just as human beings, like how can we, you know, grow together is really what I, I, I think about a lot. And now I want to speak more about that more. So that way I could start creating it together with you guys. Well, Greg, what a terrific conversation. I just can't thank you enough for coming on the program and being as open, transparent, also authentic, but also inspirational. Just as we close, uh, first of all, there may be people who want to connect with you and follow your work. And uh, we find you on LinkedIn and connect. Sure, absolutely. So uh, Greg... Yan, you can search for me. I work at Soft Choice. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the link to my to my, uh, my yeah, contact. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely yeah. put that in the show notes. And Kirsten, as we uh, conclude, you know, we talk a lot about this concept of IntelliKey and certainly reaching one's soul potential and one's higher purpose. But what an interesting addition, I think, that Greg has underscored today of community, of collaboration, that we're not just individual winners. We can hold up the trophy and be a you know blue ribbon winner, but we also know how many people contribute to that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I love you know Mark that you highlight that, and Greg that you brought that in because we aren't alone, right? And I'm really I even love when my own people call me out on my false lies, right? My narratives that shift over time. So, and that's that authentic leadership we're speaking to. Yeah, when you say, you know, we we could be stuck in the past or we could be stuck in the present and miss the brighter future if we're not careful. So, Greg, again, thanks for sharing your story and uh, coming on the program. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And listeners, uh, this is just the kind of dialogue we want to continue to share with you. If you have any comments, if you'd like to follow us, rate us, review us, just wherever you listen to podcasts, there's there's a star rating there someplace. We're, we're not asking for five stars. We don't want just more followers, but we would like your feedback. We would like your input. We want to continue to develop uh, the podcast as we go. We're just so happy to be moving through, I think, Kirsten, almost 75 episodes. And listeners, come back again for our next episode, where we'll talk to another leader who's growing their organization and their business life and their personal life to reach their soul's potential. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson. 
This has been IntelliKey Leadership Stories. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe that tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world. From singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management, we talk to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas and inspiring your creative thinking you can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity wherever you listen to podcasts.